Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Pastor Timothy's wife and um, one of our previous worship leaders, and uh, we'll have her come to the piano at the end of tonight's message. I want to preach to you a message that is prophetic. I'm going to take uh, some liberty with the text, so let me just explain this for a moment. There's a lot of different ways to read the Word. You can read it, um, you can read it for enjoyment, you know, just your daily devotional reading. You can study it to get deeper meaning out of it. And there's, there's allegory. There's a way of looking at Scripture as allegory with deeper meaning. And rabbinic scholars, there's another way of it's called sod. Everybody say sod. And that is really God giving you revelation, hidden revelation, and we've talked with you about that before. I want to take some liberty with the text of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 5 and 6. I'll stay there for the entirety of it up until the end, and I'll go to the New Testament and tie it in. And I'm going to use it. Uh, more of an allegorical type of preaching, meaning that when I preach to you, although it will have uh, some context and we'll be talking uh, certain times depending upon what the Holy Spirit does, you don't have notes. And I, I have a few. So I want the liberty to be able to allow the Holy Spirit to do whatever new thing he wants to do in me and through us here tonight because I know this. I learned a long time ago that when you're preaching, when you're teaching, when you're reading your word, when you're praying in your bathroom, in your kitchen that's become a cathedral, you stand before a holy God and before the angels, before a throne, and you also stand before Satan and his demons. And I understand that the word of the Lord runs swiftly and it breaks the rock to pieces. And I know tonight that something's going to get broken. I'm preaching not only to you, I'm preaching to America. I'm preaching to the nations. I'm not only preaching to the nations, I'm preaching before God and his angels and before Satan and his demons to take notice of what God's going to do in this next generation at this time in history. So it's not going to be an expository message. It's going to be a little different. And this, honestly, is my default setting of what comes naturally for me. I've forced myself, my forced my way into usually expository messages with a thematic approach, and that's generally how I preach and teach to you. But this will be just a little bit different perhaps for some of you. So when you hear it, go, oh, well, that's not really what that means because that's it's an allegory. So I'm pulling it out to extrapolate prophetic truth, even what I believe to be revelation, and applying it to New Testament reality, and then we're going to move forward from this place changed. Can you say amen? I'd encourage you to take notes. I've entitled it, Judgment or Transformation. You choose. What is America's hope? You know, when God brings judgment, it's a sign of his great love. It's not because he hates us, so he doesn't hate us. We're the, we're, the, we're the bride of Christ. No, that's true. See, some people, there's a myth about judgment to think that, well, if God could just kill a few people in this country, then everything's going to just turn around. You know, if he, could just, if he could just take care of a few, then we'd have a, you know, a great turnaround in the nation. And uh, lots of people think about that differently. 
And the truth is, you pray for God's judgment to fall on this country, you be careful because you live in it. I heard, um, I heard it said years ago, if God doesn't judge America, then they'll have to have Sodom and Gomorrah repent. I, I don't know if that's entirely true. Judgment will come to America. Judgment will come to every nation, the judgment seat of Christ, and that is a biblical reality, an eschatological truth. The Lord's going to judge America, which he will, you need to be careful and know that, that we're here. I'll tell you what I'm believing for. I'm believing for a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk to you about what it's going to take to awaken a nation. What will it take to awaken a nation? What's it going to take to turn our country around? I mean, you'd think it would have been 9-11, everybody come back to church. They did for like 30 days. Everybody came to church, 9-11, it came to church for 30 days. And now we have more wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famine, COVID-19, whether it be hyped up or real or combination of both. And I just read something that it's absolutely proven. Now, I don't know this for sure. But they say it's absolutely proven that COVID-19 was developed in a laboratory and it is biological warfare released on America. And I know a lot of people that believe that. First Samuel, chapter 5. I want to break open this passage. Let me catch you up to what's taking place. The Philistines here in 1 Samuel, chapter 5, are under a terrifying judgment. In fact, the text says in the NIV, the hand of God was heavy upon them. Many nations and even our culture would say that if God is so great, you know, they judge, they, they judge the strength of our God by the strength of the church. You see, Israel was apostate. Eli was the high priest. Well, he loved God, there's no doubt about that. I mean, when the, when the news of the ark being captured, and that's what happens, they take the ark out to war against the Philistines like a lucky rabbit foot. They're violating principles. Eli's sons are... They're defiled, they're stealing from the offering, and Eli rebukes him, but he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the gumption, actually, to really bring corrections. It's not just the right thing to, to know to what to tell your children, but you have to enforce that. It's not, it's not just the right thing to know. You actually have to stand and, and bring a change and bring consequences. So Eli trained his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, but he didn't make them do it. And so they, they, people began to despise the offering and despise the church, the house of God, despised the temple. And so they're in war with the Philistines and they decide to take the ark of God out to war. When they take the ark of God out to war, every time that God was with them, there would be the shout of the king among them. In fact, if you go study this text, they go out and the Philistines hear the shout of the king, but it's not the shout of the king, it's a flesh shout. I could preach on that. There's a lot of a gumption in their shout, in their dance maybe, but God still wasn't with them because they had, listen, God's with you if you live according to his word. If you love God, you'll obey his word. And they weren't obeying his word, so he wasn't with them. So they took the box out like it was gonna be some great thing. Oh, and, and when God's with you, you don't wanna touch the box. When you read all kinds of stuff, you know, Uzzah's entrails smoke from the ground. When, I mean, when, God, when they looked into the box later on, and I think it's 1 Samuel 6 or 7, they look into the box and, 
and they're split open there in Akron. Horrible. So they take the God box out and and they, they go to war and the Philistines capture the box. I don't know what you do when you capture God. And you have to know that as a pagan, God-hating culture, they would say to themselves, <laughs> some God, because we've got him. This is his box. This is who they worship. And they bring the God box and they put it in the temple of Dagon, the fish god. And they, they go celebrate and they go home. They come back the following morning and uh, Dagon has fallen over. Surprise, surprise. They thought it was a fluke, I'm sure. So they prop Dagon back up. Kind of what America does, prop our economy back up and just hope it's going to work out. You know, in the midst of all of this, the ark being captured, there's one of uh, Eli's sons has a, uh, they both get killed, but one of Eli's son's wife is pregnant and she gives birth. And while she's giving birth, the, the uh, uh, nurse, it's not a nurse, it's a, thanks, I knew you'd know, Heidi, midwife says it's a boy, and she cries out in her pain, and she cries out and says, his name is Ichabod. It's, oh, listen, Israel thought it was over. Israel thought they've caught, captured the box. That's never happened before in history. And so here comes this grandchild. Here comes this next generation and, and cries out, his name is Ichabod, you know. And the nurse basically says, don't, don't, call, don't call the baby Ichabod. It's a boy. It's a boy. And she dies. In the midst of your trial, in the midst of the convulsions of your pain and the dealings with God, be careful because understand, I've learned this over 20-something years, that in the midst of convulsions and difficulty and pain, God births something in me if I'll let him do it. But some of you are not willing to embrace the difficulty and see God's purposes through it to turn it around for good. And as a result, you curse that thing that's going to come out of you. Be careful you don't curse the next move of God because you're not willing to just knuckle down and pray and believe God and see God find God's purposes in the midst of your difficulty. Don't curse the fruit that's coming out of you through difficulty. You know, Jesus went off to the went off to the wilderness. God, the Holy Spirit didn't leave him in the wilderness, you know, for, for fun. He led him in the wilderness to exercise his authority. The wilderness that you're in, that I believe America's in is an opportunity for, for the church to rise and exercise her authority. So the ark of God is captured. And uh, look, at, look at chapter uh, chapter 5 and verse 5. You all there? After the Philistines captured the ark of God, they took it and carried the ark into Dagon's temple, and this is where Dagon falls over. Verse 4, but the following morning they arose, and there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before he's worshiping. His head and his hands had broken off. And he's lying on the threshold. Only his body remained. And this is why to this day, neither the priests of Dagon nor other priests enter Dagon's temple at Ashad, step on the threshold because it fell on the threshold. I mean, imagine they, they must have thought that was very odd. To me, it's a prophetic picture. That was their, the, the, the God, the demon God over their army. 
It's a prophetic picture that a generation later would come David that would decapitate Goliath, the Philistines. You see, what happens in the invisible, you know, we had a powerful prayer meeting today, and that powerful prayer meeting released something in the earth. What you're living in right now, we've prayed into for years, which we're walking in. Come on, look around you. It's hot. You could be riding your four-wheeler. It's packed out on Wednesday. The truth is, if we had a bigger sanctuary, it'd be even more full, but people can't find parking, and they pull out. But soon we'll be in our new building. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? The people are hungry. People are thirsty for God. And what we're walking in right now, we've prayed into for some 14-plus years. And what we're praying into now will be manifested tomorrow and the day after. So don't forget that. Don't stop praying. Don't, don't be weary and well-doing, for in due time you'll receive a harvest. So I believe it was prophetic, the head falling off, falling down. And wherever this ark went here in, in the land of the Philistines was judgment and horror. Go to the end of chapter 5. It says, as the ark of God was entering Ekron, the people cried out. They brought the ark of Israel here to kill us. The fear of God falls on a nation. The fear of God falls on the nation of the Philistines. That's what happens. Because their demon God falls over on its face. And here's this God box. And they're freaked out. Don't bring that thing over here. Are you trying to kill me? I mean, they're like over. Don't bring. Why are you bringing the box here? Because they knew wherever that went. I mean, rats, tumors, emrons in the King James. What is that? Well, scholars say that Preparation H would have helped. Okay, so that's what that is. I mean, they got all kinds of problems. In fact, in fact it says they had tumors on their secret parts. That's actually what the text says. Everybody say, no, thank you. Judgment comes to a nation. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 6. When the ark of the Lord had been in the Philistine territory seven months. How many months? Seven months. Now seven is the number of completion. I heard a very accurate prophet prophesy a number of years ago. I think it was two years ago regarding this COVID-19 that we're in. And he said it would last 17 months from the beginning. I don't know where you could count that. I'm just praying God turn it around. Come on, God, God, wake up the mayor of, of Anchorage. Come on, somebody say amen. Oh, yeah, I said it. God, wake up. Every, you can't live in fear. In Hawaii, they're, they're in, they're, there's great fear in Hawaii. We need to pray for the states. We need to pray for governors. We need to pray. Thank God for godly leadership over the state of Alaska. Thank God for our governor. Come on, somebody ought to say amen. I'm saying he's perfect, but I, I like the way he's leading. Seven months. Verse 2, and the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners. They said, what should we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us. I mean, they don't want it anymore. It's like, I've got enough tumors. i got enough problems. I, got enough pro I had enough problems before I had tumors in the secret places. Get rid of this thing. I don't want this thing around. Bad idea to capture God. I'm going to cut this a little deeper here in a minute. They make a guilt offering. This is 1 Samuel 6, 3. They answered, if the ark, the God of Israel, don't send it back without a gift. If you return the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it back to him without a gift. By all means, send a guilt offering to him. Then you'll be healed. 
And you will know, watch this, and you will know why the hand has not been lifted from you. So the Philistines asked, verse 4, what guilt offering should we send them? And they replied, five gold tumors. Crazy. Five gold rats, according to the number of the Philistine rulers, because the same plague has struck both you and your rulers. Make models of the tumors and of the rats. Okay, so they, so they do this. And really what they're saying is let's make a guilt offering and a plan because they're gonna send it back because they weren't really sure whether, if you, if you really studied this out, they weren't really sure that this thing was from God or maybe it was a coincidence, but, but we wanna be sure. We don't wanna make a mistake here enough. Emrons. And God begins to, to judge a nation they search history. They talked about Pharaoh. You read through this, they're, they're thinking about, they knew about the God of Israel. They knew that he parted the Red Sea. They knew the different miracles of what he did in Pharaoh, even though it was hundreds of years before they had heard about it. Go to verse seven. Now get a new cart ready. And two cows, listen closely, two cows that have calved and have never been yoked. Hitch the cows to the cart, but take their calves away and pen them up. Now, I don't know if anybody here has worked with cows, or I don't know anybody here that's, that's been into animal husbandry, but we know very simply from nature, if you mess with a mother's child, you're gonna, you're gonna get it. And if you get between a moose and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, a mama moose and a baby moose, you're gonna have a problem. We tell everybody that comes to visit, that comes from out of state, now listen, be careful when you're coming out of your cabin, you make sure you look around. And if you see a mama moose, you wanna be very careful because they, and don't ever get, right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Why is that? Because you mess with the moose, you're gonna get the horns, man. You're gonna get it. You're gonna get the hooves. So, so here's what they say. They say, take two cows that have calved, two cows that have just given birth. Here's the allegory. They've just given birth. Now pull them, pull them from their calves and take the calves and lock them up. Do you know what that would be like? Can you no, just put it in, in a human form if I can? A mother that gives birth, now you take that mother, sorry, you can't stay, you're no, no nursing anymore. You have to come with us. Excuse me, I'm gonna gouge your eyes out. No. And it, you, what, but you're going to drag that mother away from those calves. So understand the deepest part of the nature of a cow would be freaking out. Eyes rolled in the back of its head. The calves would be screaming. The thing would be bellowing. You'd have to have strong men. You'd have to have ropes. You'd have to, you'd have to be hitting that cow. You'd have to do everything you could to get the cow away from the calves that are penned up. And, and bring that cow now and put it on this new cart. And they devise this plan that with these two wild animals that have never been yoked. So some animals can work together because they've been yoked together. They, they know how to work together. They've never been yoked. So when you have animals that have never been yoked, one pulls harder, one pulls soft. They need to be trained. They'll go in circles. They'll get chafed. They'll get injured. There's all kinds of problems. So you have these two cows that are bellowing, baying, freaking out. You have the calves at a distance screaming, ah, Something like that, I think. How irritating. 
What a scene, just this cacophony and nightmare of people like, pull the cows, pull harder, uh, and they're dragging it. You get the picture. Can we just read through that? You know, we read the Bible like, oh, there's two cows, and I pulled them away from their calves, and I hooked them up to a cart. Oh, what happened next? That, that's, a, that's a serious scene. They hook them up. They've never been yoked. So they're going back and forth this way. They're screaming, eyes rolled in the back of the head, calves in the background. People just freaked out. See, what they're saying is, you put these wild animals together that the deepest part of their nature would go back to the calves. But if this is God, and this God box needs to return back to Israel, then, then God's gonna deal with these crazy animals silence everybody and bring it on over. And even though they've never been yoked and they're warring against the very nature of who they are as animals, they will know that this thing was from God. It's a test. I've never really seen it that way before. That if God could transform these cows, I kind of wish they were jackasses, but they're just cows. You might see where I'm going. And Pastor Karen said, hey, bud. If God could transform these beasts, the nature of these beasts, then we'll know that actually he's real and he's alive because there's nothing that could hold back or restrain the nature of a wild animal going for its calf. Nothing. But God. So understand what's happening. They're dragging the cows. They're screaming. There's hollering. And then the crowd parts. And in comes, within view, the Ark of the Covenant. And as that Ark comes in, there's a hush. I'd, I'd liken to say that the, I think there's babies crying too. I think people are terrified and they're scared. They're, and they all got tumors. Come on, they're all like, they all got tumors, you understand. They got, they, they got all kinds of physical problems. They got ailments. They have, the judgment of God is on the Philistines. And they're like, we don't want to be under judgment anymore. So if this is really God, he's going to have to, he's going to show us. Maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe it's, a, you know, it's just a natural weather pattern. Maybe it's just global warming. Of course, it was global cooling in 1975. It's global warming now. Maybe it's just a freak. You know, maybe it was something that's in the water. We've got emrons because. So the God box comes in, the crowd parts, and a hush comes over the entire place. All of a sudden, the calves aren't baying anymore. All of a sudden, the cows aren't hollowing anymore. Their eyes come back in their head and a peace comes over them and a peace comes over the entire, and understand who's there. The king, the queen, the nobles, all of the, all of the upper echelon, everyone is there. All the five nobles of the Philistines, they're all there and they want to get rid of judgment if in fact it is judgment. This God box comes in, the Ark of the Covenant comes in, and a holy hush comes over every single person, including all the animals, all the dogs. There's not any, there's no noise. 
I'd like to think that their eyes began to fill with tears as they began to sense something that they've never sensed before. They begin to feel the very presence of God as he comes in and they bring that box, the ark, and they put it on the cart. God transforms these cows. God touches a group of people. Verse 12. And the cows went straight up towards Beth Shemesh. So understand, they are clearly seeing a miracle because there's no mama cow, moose, sheep, or human that's going to leave its baying calves, which are now no longer baying. And they come under the control of the leading of the power of God. And those, those cows go straight up. And not only go straight up, but you'll see that the Philistine rulers followed it. The ark, verse 14, verse 13. Now the people of Beth Shemesh were harvesting their wheat in the valley. And they looked up and saw the ark, and they rejoiced in the sight. And the ark came to the field of Joshua, fascinating, of Beth Shemesh, where it stopped beside a large rock. And the people chopped up the wood of the cart, sacrificed the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord, and the Levites took down the ark of the Lord, together with the chest containing the gold objects, placed them on the large rock, on that day, the people of Beth Shabash offered burnt offerings and made a sacrifice to the Lord. Look at verse 16. The five rulers of the Philistines saw all this and returned the same day to Ekron. God in a box in the Old Testament captured the hearts of pagans to come to a worship service. They experienced a worship service. They felt the power of God. They saw the power of the Holy Spirit transform a wild beast. God-haters come to a, a service. Now, let me just ask you, if God in the Old Testament can transform a cow, I'd like to think he can transform you. He can change you, your addictions. He can set you free from pornography. I said he can set you free from pornography if you thought I was stuttering. I'm not. I'm just saying it again. He can set you free from, from a brokenhearted, horrible, destructive marriage and patterns and, and, and a captivity of, of iniquity. He can free your kids, free your babies, heal your broken heart, heal your mind. He can set your feet on a firm and solid rock and you can be changed. God in the Old Testament can change a cow. He can change you, the chaos of your life and your marriage. If you come under the, the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit, 
You'll be able to walk away from your porn, from your anger, from your rage, and from your pride if you'll have an encounter with God. If the power of God was to come on you and yoke you in such a way that you would turn from your whole nature. Now, I don't, I don't mean, see, I found, I found that, that most Christians are only half-hearted. Oh, I know, maybe not on a Wednesday night here at King's. Most people walk far beneath their God-given blood-bought right. They don't understand what it is to experience His power and His glory, His presence. They'll excuse it away. Well, God understands. You know, He, he doesn't mind my porn problem. He, God knows my heart, you know. You ever heard that before? Yeah, hey, God knows my heart, bro. Who are you to judge? Well, judgment comes to the house of the Lord first, and I want to say prophetically that God is dealing with people in the house of God. He's dealing with pastors. He's, de he's, dealing, he's dealing with people. He's dealing with leadership in the house of God. He's cleaning things up. Is he cleaning things up here? I hope so, yes. Is there anything to be cleaned up? Not that I know of. But if we find it, we'll be sure to get after it. If we find any sacred cows, I'll be the first one to stick a fork in it including if it's my own life. God's been dealing with me. I know you guys are like, oh, praise God, pastor, praise God. Yeah, praise God. It's not so much fun sometimes. And God deals with you. And he deals, that, deals with that donkey nature of yours. He deals with that cow. That cow nature, that, that thing that you've just tolerated and hushed away, keeping a back closet. He starts dealing with that. If God in the Old Testament can transform two cows and bring a whole bunch of pagans to a worship service, I believe that God's power is going to come upon those who are hungry and those who are thirsty, transforming their lives, breaking them free from addiction, breaking them free from the yoke of bondage, and bringing them into a genuine presence-driven encounter with God. And, and I believe that those whole rows of our new church will be filled with people. Be filled because God, God's touched you. You've turned. You've turned from that thing. You're not doing that anymore. You're not acting like an uncircumcised Philistine. The world is longing. I mean, if you study our culture, they're longing for transformation. People seriously want change. They really do. And they just hope that their presidential candidate can get an office and that could bring the change. Either one. I got news for you. Who becomes president in November is not going to determine whether we have revival or not. It's the church that has to come alive. It's the church that has to get hungry, has to get thirsty, has to get desperate. It's the church, God's people who are called by his name will humble themselves, fast and pray, turn from their wicked ways. He will come and he will heal our land. He'll do it. I've had an interesting, I don't know, sometimes in my life, it's, um, I feel like one of those Old Testament prophets. I've been talking to my wife about it. Not so much that part, but the fact that like I, I live these things happen in my life. And I know they're prophetic, like all along, but he's doing it in me. You know how the prophet had to lie on his side for 300 days and he had to roll over? Well, I always wonder if he had bed sores, I guess.
has them do prophetic acts. I feel at times that I'm walking through life and I, like a child, I feel like a child in God. And then it's just like, no, don't do that now, son. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, oh, I love you, Lord. Okay, take a left. What? Left, left, left. Okay, left. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Keep going. Wonderful. Hey, watch that attitude. Yes, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I love you. I love you too, son. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Thanks, Dad. Thanks. Oh, we're going to do some great things together. Oh, yeah, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, son. Oh, you're, I love you, God. You're awesome. Hey, 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 watch out. Wait, wait, wait. What's that? Hey, what are you doing? So I had this experience. I've shifted some things, got rid of every... It's not like I listen to a lot of secular music anyway. I don't listen to much at all. I have some songs, you know, especially from like the 70s. You know. Stop in the name of love before you break my heart. Think it over. I feel like that's the Lord singing to you. Stop in the name of the Lord before you break his heart. Think it all over. All right, so I, I've got songs that are in me, you know, from when I was growing up. I'm, <laughs> Pastor Karen sings uh, journey songs. But over this past piece of time. I, there was a time where I, I, I didn't, all I did was worship. All I did was worship music, worship. But in recent years, I've enjoyed some of that and some of the happy memories that come from it. And then, you know, you have to like, wait, I didn't know it said that. That's nasty. You know, like, and then I'll put it through a Christian filter. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. But in the recent days, the Lord said, no, you're not doing that anymore. I want you to just do high worship. So I, I went to the, the gym and I've, I've got high worship on. There's hardly anybody there. And I'm training very hard, which is part of the, the way the Lord helps me just to put my flesh down. I can't do it. Well, you're going to do it. God's going to help you. I pray in tongues when I lift weights. That's a scene. You wouldn't want to see me do that. It's ugly, really ugly, and I don't care. That's why I couldn't go to that new purple gym. Because it just kicked me out. Ah, oh, clunker, you're a lunker. Get out of here. Whatever. I don't anyway. I know there's, that's wonderful for many people, but for me it's not. And so I, I got caught up. This cow got caught up in worship. And I broke a personal record that... I don't, I don't know. I, I've, I've wanted to do that like uh, since forever, like high school, college. I, I broke my personal record doing that thing with the fire and the power and the glory of God resting on me. I told my wife, I called my wife and I said, I think I, I, think I trained with an angel or something. She's like, wow. world is longing to experience the deliverer 
You know who he's going to deliver first? You. He wants to deliver you. He wants to take you in your base flesh nature and transform you to become a worshiper. There's nothing you can't argue with a transformed life. What are you going to say with somebody that doesn't get angry anymore? They don't curse at you anymore. They're smiling. It's just a permanent grin. And they got joy and like flashes of rays of light blast out of their face. And, 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 and everywhere they go, it's just sunshine and blessing. And when they go through trials and difficulty, it's always the glass is half full. Oh, God can do it. God can make it. God can do it. God can heal me. God, hey, hey, God can do it. God can help you. He helped me. Constantly speaking, hey, constantly speaking life, not death, not fear. When God changes the likes of you in your home, in your family, your family will all get saved. It's only a matter of time. Philistines came to a worship service. God-haters, pagans came to watch the worship of God. What could God do if the church would finally realize that Jesus lives on the inside of every single one. What would happen to America? What would happen to Wasilla? What would happen to Anchorage? What would happen? What would happen to your family if you were awakened to the reality, the greatest reality and revelation in the New Testament is that you are God's house. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not a box. If God moved, if, if God power was on a box, how much more God living on the inside of you? Some of you don't get it. Some of you don't understand it. And you've not taken the time to meditate on it and to memorize it and to, and to declare it. What is that Star I keep having this is crazy. Uh, that Star Trek movie, not Star Trek. That's also good. Star Wars. That blind Jet Li. Is it Jet Li? No, oh, the Jet Li guy. You know, the Kung Fu guy. That guy. I'm one with the force. The force is one with me. I'm one with the force. He's, anybody, anybody ever seen the movie? I'm one with the force. The force is one with me. He just walks around. He's blind as a bat. Yeah, he's the Ip Man guy. A violent movie. You don't want to see that. Is it Jet Li? Okay, it's some really good martial arts guy. And he, he's walking around. I'm one with the force. The force is one with me. I'm one with the force. So the force is one with me. Why he devastates the whole enemy army, walks around. I'm one with the force. The force is one with me. Now, the Holy Spirit is not a force. Everybody say that. Holy It's a person. But if you will meditate on, and that's what kind of he was doing. That's like his little... Star Wars meditation. Yeah, and don't do that because the Holy Spirit's not a force. You'll end up getting emrons in secret parts or something. Don't do that. But if you will meditate, if you will, if you will get deep down in your spirit who you really are in God, 
You won't walk around with a sad face and a lip so low you can suck marbles out of a gopher hole. If you really begin to realize who you are in God, something begins to happen to you. You begin to stand up just a little bit stronger. You realize that if God be for you, who can be against you? And that when you struggle with these base, difficult things, when you struggle with even addiction, when you struggle with depression, you rise up in a blood-bought, God-given right and authority to command that thing to break off of your life. And you don't just sit there, bah, bah. oh God, what are you going to do? You stand up and you say, no, you're this far, no more. You're not crossing over the line. I'm bought with the blood of Jesus. I'm seated in Christ in heavenly places. I'm not going to cave in. I'm not going to, I can change. The power of the Holy Spirit in me is bigger than any obstacle I face. It's stronger than any COVID-19. I'm telling you, if the church rises up to realize it is Christ in you, the hope of glory, sit down a moment longer. In Romans chapter 8, verse 10, but if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Second Corinthians chapter 4, let these go into your spirit. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Because the God who said out of darkness, light shall shine, is the one who shined in our hearts to illuminate the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Galatians 2 and 20. And it is one of the key scriptures in my life. It says, I am crucified with Christ. No longer I live, but Christ lives in me. I literally, in the early days of my salvation, would walk around going, the old guy is dead. I'm new in Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified. I have died with Christ. The life I now live is by life of the love of God. He's in me. He's for me. I'm crucified with Christ. No longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. Jesus lives in me. God lives in me. The power of God lives in me. The I am the tabernacle and the dwelling place of God. He lives in me by the Spirit. I've made a decision. He's cleansed me from my sin. I believed on Him. He's come and taken up residence on the inside of me. That means that nothing's impossible with, me, with God. That means that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means I can overcome. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Come on, God is on the throne. The devil's been defeated. And some of you are waiting for God to defeat him. He already did. You have to rise up in your God-given authority and put the ugly one in his place. You don't just sit there and be beat up one side and down the other. Don't ever tolerate what Jesus set you free from. shout and clap to God all across this place. Come on, come on. Ephesians chapter 3. That Christ may make his home in your hearts through faith. Galatians 4.19 My children with whom I travail again in birth till Christ is formed in you. Think about that. Paul, 
writing the church in Galatia. Again, birth again, which means he was in travail or birthing, birthing prayer, if you will, until they were born again and made mature. But the enemy came in, and now again, he has to birth them again till Christ is formed in you. Think about that. Think about that, all of you leaders. Think about that, all of you parents. You You have to disciple and mentor people until they're walking in maturity. So Paul's like, oh, 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 I'm in birth pains again. Till Christ, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you, he says. Am I again in birth pains? Do we disciple like that? Do you? Oh, you looking at me? No, I'm asking you. Listen, my job is to get you working, not to do all the work. Smile. I'm like a coach for revival to get you going. I can't transform your life, but I know one who can. And then I'll teach you how to do it. Now you got to do it. You got to get up. You got to get your carcass to morning prayer. You got to get your body into the word. You got to submerse yourself in the things of God so you renew your mind. It's a reasonable act of service, says Romans 12. Considering what he's done, he was crucified and he rose again from the grave. Considering what he's done, the reasonable thing. Oh, it's just logical what we should do. We should be a living sacrifice to him. Oh, we should renew our mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed from a cow to somebody who's a child of God who walks in maturity and Christ-likeness in their attitudes, in their, in their emotions, in their thoughts. And that process, that process of change, it's called sanctification. Some of, you, some of you came to an altar of justification, but you never built the altar of sanctification. You didn't build that one. You just thought it'd be good if you could just receive Jesus, cry a little bit, and come to church a little bit, but still keep your porn, still keep your addiction, still live like a mean cuss. No, you need to build an altar of sanctification. You still smoke. He told you. And if you end up with cancer, you're going to blame God. He told you stinking 15 years. This is a word for somebody, actually. He told you 15 years ago to stop, and you make every excuse, and you think he's winking at it. He ain't winking at it. And so when you blow out your lungs, you're going to come to the altar to get a new prayer, a new prayer, a new pair of lungs? Of course, I hope you do, and I'll pray that you get it. But let me just ask you, why would God give you a new set of lungs when you keep ruining the ones that you have? I love what a dear friend of mine said. He kept praying, God, I want to quit smoking. And the Lord spoke to him. It's absolutely God is one of the, I just love it, such a fresh word. God, would you help me quit smoking? And God said, I'm trying, but you still stick those things in your mouth. I'm helping you, but you keep putting it in your mouth. Let's have a praise break, because I'm just feeling a little tension here. Come on, lift your hands to Jesus. I am trying to provoke you. And I'm telling you what God has for you is so deep and wide and broad and glorious. Forget the former things and come all the way in and be transformed. Be honest about the foul thoughts that you're having. Confess them one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Be honest with the habit that you have in the dark, the thoughts of perversion you have every time you walk in the office and you see that girl, you you see that guy. Be honest. Be honest with what a mean father you are. 
how you manipulate and use anger and control and you withhold money, you withhold sex, you withhold stuff, and you play all kinds of manipulation and games. Be honest. Don't be some pagan believer. The reason we haven't had a, an incredible outpouring in America is that most people are half-hearted, including pastors. I don't want to be that way. I'm not that way. But he, you know, the thing is, you get an opportunity to choose every week. Every day. I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna have a phone. I'm not gonna have a, I'm not gonna have a computer. Well, maybe you need to do that. If you have issues, you need to get rid of that stuff and you just deal with it. The truth is, nearly every week, there's images that pop at before a man or before a woman and you need to learn to deal with that. Welcome to the world. I mean, you can't watch anything on TV sold with sex. All of it. So what are you going to do? Live in a, in a stinking box the rest of your life? You got to learn to walk in authority. You got to learn, get those roots out. You couldn't get me to go do any of that. Why would I do that? Why would I forfeit? Why would I hurt him? Why would I hurt, why would I hurt you? But of him first. You, why would I hurt you? Plus, Volkswagen ain't nearly as good as a Lamborghini. It's a bad joke. Because, in fact, it's a really bad joke. Because it's not about physical attraction. It's about a vow. It's about a commitment. It's about what real love is. It has nothing to do with all of that. But praise God for all of that. That's bonus. Come on, somebody say amen. Can you say a better amen? I just don't think that we should, you know, marriage and sex and all that. Children's church is upstairs, and I don't see any kids in here, so I just might go just a level deeper. I'm looking up. I see a child. If you don't learn about these things in church, where are you going to learn about them? I, I, I need to conclude. I want to tell you that God in you is bigger than any God in the Old Testament. It's the same God. The difference is a temple made by human hands is not where he dwells anymore. He comes to live inside of your heart. He comes to live inside of my heart to transform us. And a transformed life, a transformed marriage, a transformed children, a transformed, transformed finances, people who have been cows, all of us, or goats, or Jack. If God's power can change you, then your family would be like your pagan family, the, the culture, the, they'll look and they'll say, how did Mayor Edna know to make that decision? That was incredibly wise. And she'll say, well, God spoke to me. Really? Because Dagon's fallen over and that's not working for me. Can tell me about this God of yours. I'm going to tell you, idols are falling down right now and it's time for the church to rise. And I'm telling you, the God-hating, pagan, uncircumcised Philistines are going to come to services if you get transformed. So it's not up to God. He already did it. It's really up to you.
position yourself. Get in the Word. Get in worship. I'm, I'm looking at evangelist John Duke. You know, John, I, would you come here? I'm so proud of you. Why are you crying? <laughs> He's done so much. If the church would just wake up and just realize there's another John Duke out there. Hallelujah. I mean, <laughs> I can preach right now, Pastor. <laughs> I watched you come in, and I watched how you did it. You checked the water out a little bit and back, backed away, backed away, and then you dove in. You'd come to every service. You, you got in your word. You, you saturated your home with worship. You, you, got your, you got your life right. You got married. God healed you. Learned, learned how to be a good husband. Still learning. I'm still learning too. Amen. All the husbands said. And all the wives said. You're still learning also. Learned how to handle your finances. Answered the call of God. And within three years. Is it three years or two years? May 14, 2014, I gave my life to Christ. 2014, I gave my life to Christ on a toilet seat. I was about to blow my brains out. I was addicted to drugs. I was kicked out of counseling. I was on seven medications for PTSD. My wife was trying to leave me. I had no relationship with my kids. I had no hope in my life. But just to put a bullet in my head, and someone told me about Jesus Christ in a grocery store. He said, hey, there's a God that loves you. And he has a major plan for your life. Kicked out of counseling, no hope. I looked at this man with a smile on his face. And I remembered on that toilet seat when I was about to blow my brains out, I remembered what that man said about this God who loved me. So I called on his name and he spoke to me. He said, son, I love you so much. Throw this addiction down the toilet and I'll set you free. So I stood up, put the addiction down the toilet. It wasn't a religion. It wasn't a pastor, it wasn't some cute message, it was the power of the Holy Ghost that set me free, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We were looking at, I was looking at some old, old photographs, you know, from the years from 2014 on. It's like you're in every one of them. Like there's a picture of church, there's John. There's a picture upstairs, there's, there's John. There's a picture of the banquet, there's John. There's John, worship service people line. There's John. John. John's hands lifted. John weeping. John over here. John over there. It's like. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Choir. You know what? I got kicked out of choir. They called me. <laughs> <laughs> they called me the. Uh, they called me the church puppy dog. Yeah. Because I was the same way. I'm proud of you. Put your hands together for a van. But now, now he's in. Now he's in full-time evangelism with his wife, traveling all over, just got ordained the other week. Come on, God's using you. We deeply pray. Put your hands together for a cow that now carries the power of God. Come on. That's all of us. What are you saying? I'm telling you there is a great awakening coming to America. That awakening needs to come to you first. And then God will manifest his power and you'll find God haters and uncircumcised Philistines at the very highest levels. All the five rulers, the, the, all the five rulers of the Philistines came and participated in a worship service. And I'm telling you, we are going to see governors and mayors and political people come to the knowledge of God because they know their next door neighbor and he was such a jerk that, that it could only be God that, that they're sweet and kind and their marriage didn't get wrecked and their kids their kids 
all of a sudden are changed. That's what God wants to do in America. America, wake up. Church, wake up. Please don't receive any condemnation. I'm just telling you what God's done for a cow. Don't you think he could do it for you? If God in the Old Testament with a box could change the base nature of a cow, don't you think that Jesus' power and resurrection could change you? Firstly, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you want to give your life to Christ for the first time. You've never given your life to Jesus. You want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time. Or secondly, you've received him before, but you know you've, you've got compromise and you want to come home. If that's you, give your life to Jesus for the first time. Or secondly, you, you want to recommit. You want to come home all across this place. Those online, those listening in the future, you say, that's me, Pastor. Would you lift your hands if that's you? Just one hand. Lift a hand to God. Lift your hand high. Be unashamed. God bless you, sister. God bless you. Lift your hand. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand all the way in the back. How about this whole middle section right here? How about this section? I see that hand. Thank you for your honesty. Raise your hand high. Be unashamed. If you're ashamed of God, he'll be ashamed of you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. All right. Wonderful. You raised your hand and you meant it. I'm going to invite you to come up here. And we're going to pray. And you're going to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or you're going to recommit your life to him. There's many people online that will do the same. In Dillingham. In California. Wherever you are. Would you stand up on your feet all across this place? You raised your hand. Or you meant to. And you didn't. You raised your hand, or you meant to step out from where you are and meet me right here. There's others coming with you. You won't be alone. Come as close to my hand as you can. Just come as close to my hand as you can, facing forward. Come on, somebody ought to put their hands together for Jesus. Come on, come all the way up. Come all the way right, right up front. Church, don't stop. Don't stop. Online, perhaps. Your service will be over shortly. Please, nobody moving around for just a moment. You want to receive Jesus, you're going to pray. When you pray this prayer and you ask Jesus into your life, every sin you ever did will be wiped out. You get a brand new slate. You get a brand new slate. It's a new start. Yeah. It's a new day. It's the most beautiful thing you could hear. Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. 
pray this right out loud all across this place, those online. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Would you lift your hands as a sign of surrender to God? Holy Spirit. The Lord says that he's going to roll away the reproach and he's going to restore all the broken years. All the broken years he'll restore. He's healing you. He's healing your heart.
Because some of you feel like, at times, the cow that's unequally yoked, having been yanked away from your calves, the basis of things pull you aside or distract you. There is a new mantle that is being released upon this house, a mantle of power and glory and favor. It's not going to come just as an act of God's sovereignty. For the Lord has been wooing many. He's been calling many to come. And people are responding to the power and the presence of His Spirit. And the half-hearted creatures that we have been, He is transforming us. And He's he's wooing us and He's calling us and He's healing the brokenhearted and He's setting the captives free. Passion, love-driven Christianity is what this world needs. That transforms drug addicts into preachers, into teachers. It transforms people who, who have been broken and lost into those who love God and serve Him. He's transforming people. If you're here tonight and you're like, I need that transformation. I, I want, I want, I'm going to let something go tonight. I want a touch of God in my heart tonight. I'm going to invite you to come. I've been saying this all week. Lord, I, 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 want, I want another level of Christ-likeness in my character. I, I, I want to I wanna respond in the Spirit all the time, not 90%, all the time. God, I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to keep step with the Spirit. I want to hear your voice to the next level. I want to I wanna please you, oh God because of all that you've done for me. It's a passion, love, not, not because I'm looking for his favor. I already have it because of what Jesus has done. You want God to come upon you with power? You want to be transformed? Look at this. Just come all the way up. Come all the way into those stairs. Make, make room for people. Holy Spirit, let your power come. Come on, just cry out to God. It's more than a, a pastor or a minister coming to lay hands on you. Come on, you cry out to God. Let him change you. Let his power come upon you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. the spirit of addiction being broken. The last aspect of addiction for me was relationship. It was a beautiful thing when that got broken off. Come on, let the Holy Spirit touch you, speak to you. And submerse yourself in a culture of transformation. Submerse yourself in worship. Submerse yourself in the Word. Submerse yourself and you're going to find supernatural power coming upon you. If you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit, go ahead. Something's happening right here. Something's happening right now. 
set you free right now. Quicken his return. I can hear the 
stay in the grave And he's not staying in heaven forever He's not a baby in a manger anymore He's not a broken man on a cross He didn't stay in the grave He's not staying in to live for God with all your heart because the nations the harvest depends on people aren't attracted to lame weak pharisaical controlling religion they got enough problems they just know instinctively why would I sign up for that but when a life is changed when a life is transformed they will come. Haters, God-haters, will come to see what happened and what this is all about. And when that happens, God's power will come upon it. Judgment or transformation, which will you have? I want the transformation. Oh, the judgment will come also. Let's have a great outpouring. How about it? Starts with you. Starts with you. Starts with me. Lift your hands to heaven. Let me bless you. Don't forget to go get your children so we don't wear out our children's workers. Father, thank you. Won't you thank him? Thank you. We know that we're, you're closer in your return than when we first believed. We stand as a people, the flock in your care. And we ask you to come and expose everything in our lives that's not of you so we could tear it down, replace it with truth, and live a glorious life of freedom, transformation, and power. That the world may know that you are alive, that you are on the throne, that you defeated hell, death, and the grave, and that you alone have the keys. You alone satisfy. You alone are the one that we're to live for and to give our complete allegiance. Our complete allegiance is to you, not a flag. I thank God for America, but my complete allegiance is to you. Transform America. Say it with me. Transform. Say it again. Transform America and start with me. Say that. And start with me. Lord bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance towards you, be gracious to you. May he give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, 
You can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.